UTG Nation podcast, episode 13. I'm sitting down with uh, with Brewer from Valkyrie Tactical Solutions again. What's up, dude? What's going on? So the sound might be interesting this episode. Um, we're doing it. This is the first episode that we are trying <clears throat> within the Anchor app. Um, I'm using some different earphones brewers trying his little setup for the first time so it might sound like like og (laughs) telephone interview from like the radio stations from like fm radio um so yeah so again still still experimenting which i don't know i mean i like it um so dude what's going on like last time i saw you we sat down did the podcast you were uh you had just transitioned over to your sheriff's office up there. Um, so is it kind of weird being like an FTO after being like the man after five years? <laughs> man, yeah. So that it's, um, I don't know any other better way to put it other than it's been humbling. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't really need to learn how to be a cop, but I had to learn different procedures and, uh, you yep. know, different doing stuff so oh yeah uh the the way i went into it though man uh i just wanted to you know i i have that growth mindset so i went into it you know not closed-minded but knowing that i probably wasn't gonna learn something you know so Mm -hmm. that's kind of the the stance i've taken with it and and just went with it and i lucked up and i've had some good fpos uh with this agency so yeah i think that really makes a difference is is the F is a good FTO if they're adaptable, if they've already like, you know, they've been F been an FTO before or not before, but just they've been an FTO for a while. They are an experienced field training officer that, you know, say they've trained, uh, you know, some younger guys, some older guys, female, different races. You just want them to have, that experience just like it helps having that experience, you know, actually working the street and having that diversity and that, I mean, it it all comes down to really experience, which I think, you know, it needs to be all walks of life because, uh, because I know my first sheriff's office, uh, the way they did their FTO program, you went with, you had two different FTOs, Um, depending on how, you know, you went with one for like six weeks and another one for another six weeks or something like that. And, uh, depending on how you did, you would go back to your first one and they would kind of like cross examine you. Um, everybody does it different. I mean, so the, the cool thing about where I'm at now is having prior experience, they abbreviate it. So Mm -hmm. still got it's got the the same format, but it's short. Like uh, yeah. mine, mine's only twenty working days. And right. I'm in my last uh, little rotation of it now, and so I think that I got seven working days left, and then uh, go before the um, FEO board is what they call it, kind of like a panel mm-hmm. interview. Okay. Uh-huh. You go through it, answer the questions that they quiz you on, and scenario situations, and then. Birthday, <clears throat> yeah and then everybody like even does that different too 
I, I think that's kind of the one, one of the things I like about law enforcement is it's, I mean, we're in a very small state and yeah. how y'all do it in upstate, how we do it in the Midlands. And then from what I've heard with some of our friends on the coast, um, everybody does it different. Um, and I think that has to do just like with their leadership and, you know, are they state certified? Are they Scalia? Are they Colia? Which is just the abbreviations for being states. When somebody talks about being state certified and nationally certified, that's what that is. Yeah. Um, so everybody has like different operating procedures. and It's like, Hey, if somebody gets a new sheriff and that sheriff came over from, say like if you get a sheriff that came over from highway patrol, like he's going to be, he or she is going to be very indoctrinated with, you know, how she was raised or he was raised in law enforcement and he's going to bring that over or they're going to bring that over to how, you know, they want stuff structured. Yeah. We, we operate, uh, fortunately at both agencies I've been at both work clear. So, it's uh there's not much difference there and I got lucky and uh both agencies in this area actually use uh the same reporting system. Um there's really a lot of things that are that are exactly the same. Uh, mm-hmm. I just I'm fortunate to to work for good leadership that allows you to be, you know, police and yeah. uh you know, trust your judgment on a lot of things. So Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely makes a difference. Um, yeah, it does. I, I mean, you know, you, you, I know you see it just like I have, uh, especially across the state and the country. You know, there's a lot of poor leadership going on. That's a big reason that a lot of people are leaving and are unhappy in the job. Yeah. Yeah, for That's sure. Fun. And, I mean, even – and kind of something that I've been seeing seeing recently is um I mean besides that law enforcement is being judged on all fronts um it's like you do one thing one day and it was right and you do the same exact thing the next day and it's wrong yeah um I mean I know it depends on you know what kind of suspect or victim you're dealing with or what side of town you're on and all that. But I've been seeing some people getting hemmed up for it's just inconsistent, uh, you know, judgment by the leadership, um, yeah, which doesn't, bad. which doesn't even help you on the road or, or even, you know, your leadership, uh, you know, going off of like, what what's one of the biggest things we say in law enforcement is the totality of circumstance of the circumstances. And, and uh, you know, we have leadership that they're not doing that when it's applied to their own fucking people. It's like, okay, if you're going to do that in general, in your job, why wouldn't you do that to take care of, you know, your brother and sister? That's that lack of accountability. Yeah. And, and I know you've been in over the past, you know, five years, I've seen it many times, there's certain individuals on the job that, well, they can get away with murder pretty much. Um, but then there are those that, 
will be made an example out of and leadership picks and chooses who they want to hold accountable for the same exact action. Yeah. uh, You know, that causes a breakdown in morale. It causes a breakdown in trust. For sure. You know, once once you lose the trust, you know, in your leadership, then you really don't have any reason to be there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're talking about some people getting away with certain things, and then, um, I mean, everywhere I've been, depending on how big or small your jurisdiction is, you know, you would handle, you would handle things differently one side to the other, but, um, geez, where was I going with that? It's going to have a good point. That's usually why I take notes so I can remember all this. Um, but yeah, and let's just, let's just chalk it up for inconsistencies of, of leadership. Um, so the main topic for today though, we were, uh, when I hit you up and I was like, Hey man, let's try this. Cause it was like one of the, one of the first things I noticed about the anchor app was, connecting with basically doing a conference call and turning it into a podcast. Um, so that kind of streamlines it or streamlines it for me to where, you know, me or Bobby or, or, you know, you or Thomas or Corey don't have to like, okay, I got to do, uh, you know, get a zoom call, figure out how to record it this way. And then just get the sound over here and like, None of us are that smart. <laughs> Definitely not. It took what it took us fifteen minutes to set this up. <laughs> yes, yes. Like it took us <laughs> longer to get it set up than what we've already been talking. Like <laughs> so, but when we were, uh, and I mean, I reached out not even knowing what I was like. All right, I know I got to record tonight, and I don't know. I, I'll always be able to pull something out of my ass. <laughs> if I'm not, you know, planning to come into Greenville or someone's planning on coming here, or, uh, you know, if we're teaching a class somewhere, uh, you know, that's just not easy to plan all the time because all of us, you know, still have our own thing. We all have our day jobs. Oh yeah. Yeah. Super busy, man. And- yeah. So this makes it, this makes it pretty convenient where I can basically just hop on the phone and we talk about certain things, but, um, so pretty much is what I thought of like from the hip was us talking about, you know, moving, moving on, starting over, uh, more specifically going to a new department because that's what, you know, what we do and, what, what, what this podcast is about is, you know, our actual, um, you know, careers and what we like to do for the community and provide for the community. And that's just not the law enforcement community. I mean, I mean, literally like where we live, um, you know, people in the grocery store, at the gym, at the churches, at the schools, um, because I think people understanding there's a lot of, and I made fun of people for this at the Academy that they had never, 
they had never really left home, but they were already adults. Like I'm pretty sure I said this uh, sitting down with y'all a couple episodes ago um, about guys that hadn't been away from their significant other, be it girlfriend, boyfriend, fiance, uh, actually married. You know, they hadn't been away from them ever for more than like a couple days. Um, so, and I'm, and I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, adapting to interpersonal relationships, but then what we've already hit on with, you know, you go into a new department and, um, you know, people know both of our backgrounds by now and they know that, you know, you did, um, you know, every type of first response you can do really. (laughs) So you've already, you've already, you've already done you know, like five, eight different jobs. Um, and now this is your, I mean, corrections is, I mean, I guess you could say corrections was kind of like a lat, uh, a lateral kind of move, but this is your first move, like in a different law enforcement entity. Cause yeah. I've, cause I've worked for, for three already. Um, and then I had a little stint in security in there. So I'm kind of on the line of, uh, becoming, what do we call them? Law enforcement gypsies. <laughs> like I can, I need to, yeah, I need to, I need to kind of settle down, but I, I think, so, I think I'm where I want to settle down, but I mean, wherever you want to, wherever you want to start with kind of what was the biggest thing for you and the biggest way that you had to adapt and, um, you know, how was it? And then handling already, I mean, five years on the street is, I mean, that's in law enforcement nowadays, like that's a veteran. That's way more experience than people from the past have gotten just with the times we live in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I got, I mean, I got a couple notes right here. I mean, I didn't get too crazy in depth with it. Cause I think I like the open conversational route anyway. I don't want to go down a list of questions and it be really regimented. So I'll just kind of, wherever these fit, I'll kind of jab them in there, but I don't know. I mean, just talk about your experience going from, you know, your, your police department where you moved up and was, uh, successful very quickly to leaving that and you don't have to go into the reasons um but leaving that and then going somewhere where you ultimately thought was better for you on multiple levels i'm sure it, it is there uh, you know and, and like i said leaving the reasons out of it um you know making that move uh probably probably one of the hardest decisions i've ever ever made uh, because, you know, I didn't just up and leave. I I thought through it uh, immensely. And the biggest thing for me, and it, it sounds like an ego problem, but but I think especially if any law enforcement guys are listening, I went from where I was at, I was assistant team leader on the SWAT team, and I came down him, and I knew that, I couldn't laterally move or transition to any other agency in those positions. It just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, 
so I had to, to make the conscious decision to give that up, uh, which was, you know, I'm not going to say that it was a no-brainer, um, but, you know, the decision was made and, and I stuck with it. Um, so going from those two roles to, you know, I was the guy that I had watch commanders that would call and ask my opinions on, you know, certain calls or certain scenes and what I thought needed to be done in this situation to now I'm back riding in somebody else's car, you know, being evaluated. And that's, it's, it's almost like culture shock mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, and that's why I said earlier, it's humbling. Um, but the type of mindset that I have, um, it's just another challenge. And, and I look forward to challenges that's, that's, it drives me every day, you know. I, I get to prove myself again, you know, if I need if needs be. Um and and I get to to gain back what I gave up. And some people say that's crazy. Some people say, you know, why would you wanna give up what you had to start over? But, you know, that goes into doing what's best for you and your family at the time and whatever's gonna make you happy. You know, that ties into that law enforcement gypsy mentality, you know, a lot of guys look down on that. A lot of guys see that as, as being disloyal or uncommitted, and it's not. Especially in this, in this climate. If you're unhappy, if your agency won't let you police the way you want to police, if you're not where you want to be, and you don't see yourself getting there by – I'm not talking about just getting your feelings hurt because you're a two-year guy and you put in for a position and don't get it. I'm talking about you put in the work, you put in the time, and you're still not getting where you want to go then leave and go find it somewhere else. You yeah. know, I don't think, yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah. No, I've definitely, I've definitely expressed that pretty uh, regularly before, you know, before me, Bobby and Kyle started the company. Um, before, and then obviously before I started the podcast, I'm pretty sure I said that before you and me, ever met (laughs) um because there's just too many opportunities out there and i think just the i don't even know what to call it but just the culture of law enforcement hasn't recognized it yet uh, but there's certain aspects where, um, and this has become a dirty word too, but, um, you know, to be progressive. Um, and I don't mean that in kind of the political terms that get thrown around, uh, you know, there, cause there is some good to progress, not whatever the political side and whatever you do or do not think of it. Um, but there's different parts of law enforcement <clears throat> that they have been progressing, but it's not like on all levels all at once. It's like they're progressing in certain areas, but then not in others. Um, so I kind of compare it to, um, you know, the bar, you know, that the, the job qualifications or requirements are higher than they used to be. Um, 
you can look anywhere in the state and there's still some ways to get around it because of experience and other training you can already have, but kind of always the generic baseline, which as a college graduate, this doesn't mean shit now. Okay. But they always break it down on, okay, do you have a two-year degree? Do you have a four-year degree? Do you have a master's? I've even seen some places that are like, oh, do you have a law degree? And I'm just like, yeah, because I'd go work the street after I go to law school. Right. <laughs> um, you know, that's kind of the standard. And then there's there's work experience that offsets those. And then there's like a, you know, a pay, a pay scale and all that. And then most of the time it's not that big of a difference anyway. Um, you know, when you, you know, see a salary, you see a starting salary, it's like, Oh, you know, if you got two years, it's X amount of money. And then if you've got a four year degree, it's like two or three grand higher. Like, Oh, you make so much more. And where if you look at it, like paycheck to paycheck, it's like a $50 difference. Like that's like, that's nothing. Like that's not as much as you think. Like a thousand dollar difference over a year, like doesn't mean shit. Um, because I mean, we're in a career where you can you can almost have as much overtime as you want. Um, there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of overtime and kind of off duty gigs where I'm at currently, but that's just kind of just where I'm at and how big the department is and just the needs of the, of the County, right. Opposed to where, pff, what you told me about your County, like it's endless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every day it's, uh, you know, eight or nine emails a day about side jobs. Yeah. Which is, which is great. Uh, you know, I've got friends that I work with now that are putting their wives through school full time. You yeah. know, working the side job and their and their yeah. regular duty hours. You know, they're the only ones working and they're they're raising, you know, two, three kids and, and you know, putting their wives through nursing school or, or some whatever in the medical field. And eventually it's gonna pay off for them. Right. Um, you know, so why not? You know, right. three or four years just bust your tail and get out yeah. there and do it. And then yeah. and then have it done, you know. Yeah. Plus, you know, with us, depending on the, the certain type of overtime through the agency uh then it adds to your retirement which makes the those those quarters for your for your police which means that your retirement debt's going to be higher uh. it's kind of a win-win so. yeah yeah it depends on where you're at and how they break down over time and it's like okay you're going to get paid cash money is it going to be you know through the department where you know it's going to go like you know, on your timesheet, if you still do handwritten or printed out timesheets like we do, or if it's on the computer. Um, I mean, I've seen the most <laughs> advanced stuff in this state, and then I've seen like the most archaic <laughs> way okay. to do things at the same time. It's it's really crazy. Um, like the 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 small police department that I worked for. I actually had like a time card and there was like a clock where you would like punch in and out. Like you were at the mill. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Holy smokes. dude! And it was literally (laughs) like, I had a time card and it would, you know, like stamp it and everything. I was like, Holy shit. Where the first place I was like, you did everything on your computer. Yeah. And then anytime you went over, anytime you went over 12 hours, 
it wouldn't let you enter it without you like entering an explanation why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that had to get approved like through your regional captain and all that. But yeah, that's computers, you know, they speak a different language than I do. I appreciate them, but I know just enough to get in trouble with them. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine was acting up today where I was, where I was bitching about it. I was like, man, cause I've, I've worked somewhere where we didn't have computers. It was just straight radio talk. <clears throat> um, I mean, which was cool sometimes, but then there was other times where it's like, man, I just wish I had those resources, like, you know, to be able to run people on DMV, to look up warrants, to look up, uh, you know, call histories, just to have that at your fingertips. Um, can just, for sure. yeah, it can just make such a big difference. Um, <clears throat> so getting back to the main topic here, um, why do you think law enforcement leadership is, like I said, they're progressive in some areas and then not in others to where, and I knew this from, from the beginning of getting into law enforcement because of some of the experiences that, uh, that Bobby and John had, um, there's some regions of the state that get really pissy about, and this is, and I've seen this more, <clears throat> I've seen this more for uh, law enforcement applicants that are uh, coming out of college, just because this is kind of what we were told was, uh, you know, to like do your research on where you want to work and, look up the company's policies and its history and all this. And this is like kind of from a, a private citizen perspective, not necessarily public service. But then when you try to quote unquote shop around in public service, they get pissed or they can get, they, or they can get pissed. I've, I mean, I've seen where some people are just like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, well, we offer this, you know, some people respect it and they're like, okay, well, we have X, Y, and Z and they don't have X, Y, and Z. And there's some people like, Oh, well, you know, they're not loyal. It's like, what? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I actually, um, at one point filled out an application for a state agency that, um, on the application itself had a, had a line to list any other agencies that you'd applied with. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, that's always interesting. Yeah, that's always been brought up. If I've I've seen it on applications, or I've had in the interview process, they would ask me that to my face. Yeah, and I was like, um, well, what is it? I was like, well, what does it fucking matter? It's like I'm if I, if I have to if I have to present a breakdown of my entire fucking life, like to include to include you know, all my speeding tickets I've gotten since I've been driving in the state, uh, you know, my, my credit history, they even get into like your personal history. Like if I got to break down all that and then you as a law enforcement entity can't, you know, break down what y'all are really about. Like that's bullshit. How do you expect how do you expect to get the best people and the best fit 
Because there's some people that fit better in, like, there's certain parts of the state where, like, I wouldn't be interested in working because they're, because they're tourist towns. Like, I don't think I would want to go work in Charleston. Or I don't think I'd, or I don't think I'd want to go and work in Myrtle Beach. Absolutely not. Because that's just I, not my. <laughs> there's just a certain, you know, it, I, I don't know. It's just there's a, it's a certain type of policing, being in a tourist town, opposed to. I mean, I mean, most states or uh, most counties in the state. I mean, if you're a, if you're a deputy, you can get. A, a little bit of everything and you don't really have to cater to anybody, but like dude in Charleston and Myrtle beach, like there's tourists that get away with some shit. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I just, and I'm not about that. No, I don't, I don't have the personality traits it takes to, to be that kind of cop, you know? The, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the best, the best way to put it is, is a downtown unit cop where you're out with the public walking around, walking a beat. You know, everybody's out on a Friday night and you're having to deal with all that obnoxious crap. I just don't have that in me, you know? Yeah. I'd rather be, you know, looking for dope guns and, you know, doing real police work. And, and that's my opinion. You know, people get mad at me if they want to, but. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's how I feel. I think going back to, I think going back to, the, oh, you're you're not going to be a loyal uh, employee or loyal officer or whatever if you put in three or four different applications, different places is asinine. Because what are you taught to do coming up? What are you taught to do before you even graduate high school? If you take any kind of um, I don't remember home ec or business econ, any of those classes. How do they? You freaking put an application in everywhere. They literally live off. My back, right? Yeah. So you just yeah, but then branch out. But then law. Yeah, but then law enforcement wants you to put all your eggs in one basket, regardless. Like they think it's. I don't know. I mean, I know there's some places that uh, are known for kind of their level of arrogance. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just think that's it's counterproductive to like it doesn't it doesn't help us like people in blue. It doesn't help us when agencies have that that reputation no it doesn't help it, us as a it doesn't help us as a whole yeah, you, you find a lot of those agencies with you know with that big motto behind them aren't as great as they think um you, you got a lot of got a lot of good posters children that are that look good that you know make it and they sell it Kind of like we discussed in the last episode I was on with you, you know, a Marine Corps recruiter makes Marine Corps just romantic. I mean, it's yep. sexy as fuck. It is the best thing in the world, right? Yep. Until you get in there. <laughs> and, yeah, and you and, get you know, your I, shit pushed in. So, you know, I wasn't in the Marines, but, 
you know, I, I've seen that happen, you know, in, in this, this line of work time and time again. And I think it, it all falls back to that breakdown between uh, leadership and the line, even, even line supervisors and command staff. It, there's a huge gap there, and there has been since I got into this, uh, and I'm sure you can say the same. You know, there, there's no communication there. And I've got a I've got a theory on it. <laughs> it's an interesting theory, but I equate the generation of command uh, in some agencies. I'm not speaking of of all agencies uh, because definitely some have have their crap together more so than others. Um, and I'm not speaking this is a disclaimer. I'm not speaking of agencies that I do work for, have worked for, and anything else. Okay? This is just a theory I have as a law enforcement as a whole. So I equate the generation of command as non-wartime leadership. So these guys that are in command, that are that are running these agencies, have never dealt with the crap that we're dealing with on the street. Now. They've never uh, faced this kind of you know criticism, uh, this level of criticism, and and they haven't uh, had to deal with it. The the biggest thing that that they've had to deal with is maybe that officer they got in trouble for slapping the wrong person or, uh, you know, arresting such and such son who's on, on the council. Or uh, they had to worry about their CALEA audit and making the department look really good on paper, you know, or, you know, making sure everybody looks good for inspection so the city manager, you know, doesn't see everybody looking like a bag of ass. Whereas now, all the way down to our line supervisors, you know, the newer, the newer leadership coming up, you know, I'm, I'm talking corporals and sergeants, senior deputies, master deputies, whatever, whatever the ranks are, that senior line supervision, they're out here in the streets, in the mud, you know, getting their asses handed to them with it. And, and you can see a breakdown even between sergeants and command staff where, where there's no communication. Uh, when there is communication, it's pushed under the rug. You know, a lot of sergeants, I see it, a lot of sergeants getting stressed out um, because their command staff is looking at them and say, well, pick it. Instead of, hey, what are we doing here that's wrong and what can we do to fix it? Um, they just they refuse to see it. And I think it's got to do with their lack of, I'm not going to say lack of experience in the law enforcement community as a whole. I'm going to say they've never experienced the what law enforcement has become right now today. <clears throat> yeah, so it's very comparable to the military and it's it's a very common it's a very common talking point um where do you know, do you have a, a peacetime commander or do you have a wartime commander? And depending on the times, sometimes one or the other is necessary. Um, I mean, historically, you can look back to um, after World War II, um, you know, they tried to push Patton under the rug. Um, because he was a he was a wartime general. I mean, he was 
hey, this is a threat. We need to we need to go take care of this. Like he was still wanting to push into Russia and shit. Um, another World War II example. You know, looking at the military side, once um, once the war was done, Churchill was done. Um, I mean, he still went on and had some great speeches and mentoring down the road, and he's the one that coined the Iron Curtain and all that. Um, but when the war was done, the war dogs got basically put back in the doghouse, you know? Um, and I do, I do like that comparison because this group of, of leadership, you know, that are like the chiefs and the majors and the sheriffs for the most part, like all this is not it's subjective to like kind of where you're at in the times and cultures of different regions of the state and different states and all that. Um, because prior to, I don't know, when would, when would you say it started getting bad for the law enforcement, uh, you know, in the post 2000, you know, post nine 11 era, like when did it start getting bad for us? Like, Say twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. It started. Really, fifteen. Yeah, it really started. You yeah. started seeing the attacks on law enforcement. Yeah, I, I'm talking yeah. the the violence, the ambushes. Yeah, um, you know that kind of stuff started. Yeah. So, right, right. So before that, you know, when was the last time it was shitty? Rodney King. Yeah. So there's a big, so there's like a 20 year, I mean, there's people, you know, say somebody that say there's some places in the country where you only got to do your 20, uh, you know, there's some people that came into the game post, <laughs> uh, post Rodney King and post LA riots, but then got out, you know, 15, 16 time frame. And that was a pretty positive time to be in first response, period. Oh, yeah. The last, um, what, the last, last freaking 10 years of their career was Sunshine and Rainbow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Firemen and yeah, for sure. Kids wanted to take pictures and stuff. Now, I can't, you know, there's some certain areas that, that I ride through now. And it's funny, me and my SEO were talking about this the other day. We'll ride through and wave at kids. And they'll, they'll look the other way, or their parents will tell them to go in the house. You know, they yeah. don't even look at you anymore. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it, it definitely depends where you're at. And then if we're just going to put more put more context to this with when it was good and bad, you know, we're talking about wartime, wartime and peacetime. We're kind of making that comparison to law enforcement and the military. Before that... Uh, and it, this also really depends where you were in the country. Um, but nationwide, before Rodney King, when was the last bad time? Oh, man. Civil rights? Had to have been civil rights. Um... Civil rights and maybe some of the, you know, Vietnam towards the second half of Vietnam shit. Yeah, um, I mean, that was tough that was on all the soldiers and stuff and you know and then you start that see 
towards the end of Vietnam is when you started seeing a lot of the, the predominant street gangs come out now. Yeah. And, and that, that's when policing as a whole took attention because you started seeing veterans, you know, from the Vietnam War on both sides of the fence, some in the criminal aspect and some in the law enforcement aspect. And they brought what they learned in war, be it guerrilla tactics or, you know, whatever they learned, and they brought it to the street, and it changed the game. And that's where a lot of these people push the stigma behind uh, milita- militarization of police. Well, I mean, we kind of didn't have a choice. You know what I'm saying? But I'm sure that's for another day, but that it segued into that. Yeah. Yeah, so... So with the leadership that, I mean, let's just say they're kind of, um, because of their upbringing, they're basically kind of detached. So is this, some of the progressive parts and unprogressive parts of law enforcement, I mean, it's almost looking like there's not a, there's not a set solution to me. To me, the solution is time. Now, how much bad shit is going to happen in that time, I think nowadays has been accelerated for a lot of reasons. You're right. You're right in the time. will will change and will get better. What we have to adapt to as a whole is being able to manage what we are faced with and what I'm trying to say, and I I don't know if I'm saying it in the right way, is that that top-level leadership, they don't know how to adapt to it. They don't know how to take care of their people. I say adapt to and manage what we have going on is the level of stress that that officers face every day. Um, You know, I've been a cop five years and my first year and a half on the street I was uh, I was shot at pinned down in the house and I'm not, I'm not telling war stories but this is just, just an example on a domestic violence situation to where before they you know they hammered into your head in the academy you're you know you'll get killed on a domestic you'll get killed on a domestic the only thing I wanted to do was help the lady that was being beaten I, I heard I was by myself. I heard her being beat. I made entry to the residence. Turns out that the individual was beating her with a with a, he was pistol whipping her. When I made my way to the second floor, he began popping rounds off at, at both of us because she ran to me as I was announcing, you know, police whatever. Yeah. And uh, so she comes to me. Rounds start going off. Um, you know, we get down back to the bottom level. He barricades on the top level. And, uh, you know, that's in my first year as a cop. I've just been shot at, right? Now, we'll rewind about six months prior to that. We were three months out of the academy, and I witnessed my first line of duty death. Um, You know, we had an officer that we worked with. He was on the SWAT team, Um, very respected guy. Uh, he was actually one of our motorcycle units responding to a burglary in progress. 
Uh, he was going to back up one of our canine guys because he was on the canine support team. He was on that motorcycle, and uh, a car turned in front of him, and he, he was running lights and sirens, and he ended up hitting a car. Um, you know, I think I was – me and my FCO were the second unit to him. The, uh, one of the canine guys was the first one to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being what my prior experience was, I just jumped, jumped in and started working, you know, you know, working the fire service and uh, having been at EMT and all that stuff through the fire department. I just, it was just like a second nature, like muscle memory kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you start trying to stabilize and, you know, we're fortunate that EMS headquarters was right there in the middle of the city where we were at. So EMS was there like immediately. And, uh, you know, we started working. So I, I tell those stories and I'm, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but literally my first year on the street was probably the most trying time ever. And so I experienced in a year what some cops that are at the command level have never experienced in their entire career. Yeah. Right. So yeah. To, to tie that in, I think that they, I don't know, I don't know if empathy is the right word, but they need to start paying more attention to their bottom level guys because our guys that are in our generation have seen more than most of them have in five years. And that, yeah. that, it's hard to say and it's hard to admit and hard to accept, but it's true. Yeah, that I mean that disconnect always sucks. But I don't really know how to reconnect it. Um because a lot of these a lot of these leaders you know, I mean, for this job, you have to have empathy. I mean, you have to. But they're not really having a lot of empathy for their people. They'll have it for the public to the point that they believe the public 100% before they even talk to their personnel. But I don't know. I mean, with that disconnect, how do you reconnect it and reconnect it to where leadership ha- actually has empathy for their people. See, there, there is a bridge um, that that can be used. It just ha- it takes a little humility. And you know this as well as I do, those guys with brass on their collars, they don't like to admit a lot of times that they don't know. Yeah. Or that that they are unsure. Yeah. Right? Because there are the guys, you know, they're the guys that for years, you know, guys slick sleeves and and three, four year guys have ran to and say, Hey, what do I do here? What do you yeah. think here? What you know, they are the those guys. So it's hard to, as a person in, in that position to bring yourself down and say, look, I don't know, but I want to help. So there are, there is ways to do it. There's ways to, to bridge that gap, that, that disconnect back together. But I think it's going to take a lot of tough conversations. It's going to take a lot of humility across the board from the bottom all the way to the top, you know, and, and departments now need to be closer than they ever have. 
and I, you know, you know this as well as I do, you know, the disconnect, the rumor mill, the backstabbing, all that crazy stuff that goes on. Well, it doesn't have to. You know what I mean? There, they, with my new agency, man, there have been more rumors. I and and I, I, I came in the door knowing I was going to get a night shift. So, you know, I don't, I didn't expect anything else. I don't expect anything else. But there are rumors, you know. Oh, he's he's getting the dog as soon as he's done with SPO, or yeah, he's gonna go to this unit, or he'll go to this unit. No, bro, I I'm not that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm just there to be a cop. But what I'm getting at here is that disconnect across the board from the top down, right? To stop it at the bottom level, it's got to stop at the top level, right? Because the attitude always reflects leadership. Always. There's no if, ands, or buts about that. Yeah. So, you know, if we can disconnect, if we can stop the disconnect at that level, then then it'll just trickle its way down. Yeah. It, it's going to take it, and, and I don't know, I don't know what kind of experience of leadership you've had, but you know, it takes it takes a man in that position to sit down with his 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 subordinates and just say, "How are you? How are you? Are you okay?" Because that's not done at all. It's never been done for me. I don't I don't know about you. Has has anybody ever done that? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there was um, and and it's partially it's partially my fault for maybe, I mean, some people would look at my resume and say that I've moved too much. There's some people that say, oh, well, he just wants experience. Some people will blame it like kind of on my military roots where it's just like, oh, well, he has kind of like that kind of just active duty DNA in me to where you know, when you're in the military, you're moving around all the time, which I mean, I, I, I never experienced professionally, but I did, uh, personally. And there was, um, some shifts that would do that, that I've worked for or been exposed to. And there's other shifts that wouldn't. Um, the shift that I am on right now, um, I mean, I would put, I would put, I mean, and even when I first got to the shift and there's been some changes even in my short time here, uh, I would put my shift against almost any other shift. Well, I know I'd put them up against any shift where I'm at and then, <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I take, and and that just has to do with how we work together, how we take care of each other, how we uh, communicate, and uh, and all and all of that comes down to like you were saying, just be having some humility and kind of. I always kind of, I always kind of view it of of like playing your cards right right i mean there's certain things there's certain things you can do with a certain hand that you can't do with another um 
you know, and that comes to recognizing everybody's strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, maybe there's some people you need to check on a little bit more. And maybe there's some other people that, you know, they do, they do pretty good solo. Um, and I believe specifically my shift and my leadership and the people that I work with, uh, they're very good. And most of my department is like this, uh, like the whole, the whole sheriff's office of putting your people in the right place. And the first word, the first thing that came into my head was like catering, but that's, that's kind of a cushy word and it's not, but you got to know what your people need because I'm going to me, Aaron, the Marine, the, you know, technically five year quote unquote vet that has also worked for other agencies. I'm going to need or the way I operate on all levels is going to be different than somebody else that might be on my shift that, you know, this is their first job out of college. You know, this is their first year in their career. Um, and, and I think where I'm at, they, they're, they're really good at, at putting people in the right spot, which I think is what, is what really makes a difference. Um, but I mean, that, that's kind of being on the right shift in law enforcement to me is what makes the difference. Like you could be, you know, maybe not working for the best. And this just depends on your, the breakdown, your leadership breakdown. You could be working in not the best region, or maybe you don't have the best regional captain, you know, maybe, you know, maybe your deputy chief is an asshole. Uh, you know, maybe, even your sheriff is say on the different is on a different political spectrum than you. But if you got a good, and again, it's just like, it's just like this in the military too, bro. If you got a good corporal and a good Sergeant world of fucking difference. And now, and I'll push that forever. And that's, um, kind of what I blame uh, not blame that's one of the things I point to at uh, the first sheriff's office I worked for was the poor mid-level leadership so to me mid-level leadership uh, in a law enforcement entity is like your sergeants and your corporals or maybe even your master deputies, depending on, you know, because there's some places that just don't have corporals. They have master deputies and sergeants. I mean, whatever. <clears throat> but, I mean, I think that's what makes the difference is when you have, and that's, you know, kind of comparable to a fire team and squad level element. And that's that's kind of as big as your sphere of influence can be, you know. I mean, and that, and that basically is what that is, is decentralized command. Um, 
having those different levels to take care of your people. Cause the sheriff isn't going to be able to, t- even if the sheriff's the best, the best dude in the fucking world, he's, you know, he's not going to be able to take care of me, Aaron on a daily basis, but you know, if I need it, but my sergeant will. <clears throat> I agree. Um, so, just that that like small that small level leadership is what and it, it's like that in the military and it's like that in the law enforcement and that's why both of those things have been bonded together for so and that doesn't have anything to do with the quote unquote militarization of the police and all that shit like that's uh, whatever I don't even want to I don't even want to get into that yeah that so <laughs> that brings in a whole new set of points and and you know well what you're speaking of i I'm still new in in my new agency so i don't I don't know I haven't experienced it but i I don't know what it's like I don't know I know what the leadership's like on the platoon I've been working on and and i like I can't complain you know yeah so well I mean do you even know <clears throat> there's different there's advantages and disadvantages of from a training perspective. Uh, you know, if you're FTOing are like, are you FTOing with the shift you're going to be on? Are you FTOing in the region you're going to be in? Um, one of the, as, uh, professional and six and successful as my first agency was, they're the way they did and they had a a very well-known instructor and structured fto program which i i believe was based off of um some studies and training and stuff out of california out of san diego i think um or it was san jose there's a certain fto type structure and anybody in law enforcement will know what i'm talking about they'll probably bust my balls on instagram but that's fine um so I got <clears throat> first FTO. <clears throat> he was fucking great. Like he should have been a sh- uh, shift sergeant. Uh, didn't work out for whatever reason. He was still a corporal. Uh, where we were there, the corporal was the second in command on a shift. <clears throat> and I worked a certain region. And it was not, and I was already told what region I was going to go to once I got off FTO. So I had a good FTO in the wrong region. And then second phase, I had a bad FTO in a different region that was still the wrong region. Uh, And then I got put somewhere that I had never worked. (laughs) So what's the fucking point of having this you know, this fucking great uh, structured FTO program. And you're not even trained where you're supposed to be. Yeah, like, that's like, confusing. And... Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. And where I was, uh, and so where I started and where I was going to end up was totally opposite. Uh, totally opposite uh, clientele. 
I mean, one was hoity toity. The other one was you're probably getting in a fight every day. <laughs> like it was, <laughs> it was totally different policing within the same county. Yeah, that's that's common. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately, but it shouldn't. Yeah, it shouldn't be I common. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's and, and it, uh, kind of where I'm at now. I don't know what shift. I don't know what rotation. Uh, <laughs> I don't know anything. I just know where I'm training now. So. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but. Well, and dude, we went down a rabbit hole on that real quick. Um, so (laughs) that's fine. Um, but I mean, what you're seeing right there, getting back to, uh, you know, transitioning different departments. And I even had written down here, like moving, like you didn't move to a new area. Like you're still in the same, you're in the same part of the state and you've been in the same part of the state, uh, your whole life. So what's, so what, so I know for me, and that's why my kind of background is kind of weird. You're like, I'll go, uh, you know, where my, my, uh, my first law enforcement job after joining the Marine Corps and then my security job and then my second law enforcement job and then where I'm at now, like I moved, like I move, moved. So what's it like? I mean, you're still, you're in the, you're in the same County. You, or you've been in the same County this whole time. Uh, you've been with the same woman. That's now your wife for a long time. Uh, but completely different work environment, sort of. Yeah. So it's kind of a, that you, now that you put it that way, it's kind of an odd thing to think about. The, as I was born and raised here, um, so a lot of the areas, even even in the outskirts of the county, I know about. Um, you know, I know a little bit about at least. Um, but you haven't worked. But you haven't worked them. Right, and that's right in any capacity. That, if that if that was you know in fire, if it was. I mean, right. even yeah. even in even in corrections, you learn about certain areas. You just don't go to them. Right. Yeah. So, so I, you know, it's it's still new. Uh, in some places that I go, uh, I've had to learn. You know, kind of like you were saying, you had two different regions, two different clientele. You know, I went from five years uh, dealing with a, a certain population, certain demographic, and, and I'm not speaking ill of any of that. Yeah. Uh, it's just a different way that that you kind of gonna handle things. Yeah. Uh, to now, uh, especially in the area that I'm working on now, it's huge. Uh, you can fit 12 or 13 of the jurisdictions inside of just the area that I work on a daily basis. Yep. That's just in in that southern end of yeah. the county that I'm working. It's, yeah. That's not even the whole county, right? So. Right. Right. I can go one call in one really nice area with the mm-hmm. golf course and gated community to getting dispatched to another call 36. This actually happened the other day. I'm clearing out uh, an alarm in this gated community. You get dispatched to a disturbance of weapons 36 minutes away. Yep. We get, 
down there and it was over a goat. So, <laughs> yeah. so I go from dealing yeah. with these, these people in these freaking, you know, multi-million dollar homes to these two neighbors. They call themselves neighbors. You couldn't even see each other's houses fighting yeah. over a goat. And one person yeah. to shoot each other, you know, and I'm like, wow, you kind of, you got you have yeah. to switch. It's almost like switching personalities almost. Yeah. Um, well, and then you can't handle them the same way. Like it's just different. Yeah. Well, and then those, even within the same county, in one of the smallest states, those two, uh, you know, be it complainant, victim, uh, suspect, arrestee, those people may not be even aware of each other just in life exactly like it all like they'll be i'll go to nicer parts of the county and they'll be like oh thanks you thank you for what you do and blah blah, blah. and we'll and we'll have kind of a, a little bit of a conversation going and i'll bring you know something else that that i dealt with that day or some other experience that i had on a on a you know in a rowdier part of the county and they're like Oh wow! I didn't even know that, or I didn't even know this. And where is that at? And blah blah blah. And this is within the same county. Yeah. That I mean, is this, is, this is the same county because I think. I mean, you know, most yeah. county, most counties around here, you know, between I don't know, four hundred to seven hundred square miles, and that is, I mean, that sounds like a lot, and you know, when you're trying to get somewhere and save somebody, it, it is. Uh, but in context of the whole country, Bo, that's a little dot. So, you know, as well as I do, people that are comfortable stay comfortable. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, they, if that means they put the blinders on and they stay in their own bubble, mm-hmm. they do it. You know, uh, you know, people wouldn't believe me right now if I told you that in our entire state there are Latin street gangs that are connected to the cartel. There are yeah, uh, huge street gangs that were founded in Chicago that are in the center of our state where you were yep. that are connected to the cartel and probably one of the biggest human trafficking organizations in this entire country right now. Um, yep. And when I say that, I mean that. I'm not being dramatic. I've worked the cases. Um, I, you know, my previous agency, I worked two separate cases within three months of, of human trafficking. The first time I ever met a Homeland Security agent was then. Uh, and it, it opened my eyes. And even as a cop, you know, I was just, I just didn't <clears> think it happened in our little part of the state, but it, it every day yeah. happens. So, you know, people, people need to start paying attention. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's dangerous. And I'm not, I don't say that so people live in fear. I just want people to be aware. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's a, that's a big thing. That's, uh, and that's even one thing I hit on. Was it two podcasts ago where I kind of went down a couple, couple questions that were given to me um, on Instagram and through some of my non-law enforcement buddies. Um, you know, the public being aware and prepared and trained and you know whatever you know in 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 what capacity is going to vary from person to person because um 
you know, I've been made fun of from kind of both ends of it. It's like, oh, you only have, you know, you've only been to how many courses and you've only, you only have so many guns and you only have so much ammo and, and you only like X, Y, and Z. And then there's some people that think that they're like, oh my God, you're a crazy fucking prepper. (laughs) 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 Like, it's like, man, I get it from one extreme to the other. Um, but no, there's definitely, there's definitely a level of awareness and preparedness that is, that I really, really wished existed, uh, on a, on a very basic level, um, in in the public for sure. Um, and that kind of another aspect of that, that I think of, and we're just going all kind of tangents today and that's fine. Um, um, I, and I think that tie, that can tie into, I think, more people. Now, you know, the people think they're like, oh, well, everybody needs to serve in the military. No. No, they don't. <laughs> now, I believe, I believe everybody needs to work or serve, whatever you want to call it, in some capacity in public service let's just say public service so that can be everything and i even view and i even view military service just working for the government any government entity i i think of as public service um to some degree i mean now to pub to to politicians really do their public service eh but i mean that's that's you know can be touch and go But I think everybody needs to serve in some way, be it the Marine Corps uh, on the extreme end. <laughs> uh, uh, pretty much Marine Corps and law enforcement and probably anything special operations. Um, but even down to... Uh, I mean, let's think of like nonviolent public service. I mean, let's don't even look at first responders. I mean, you could even do, um, I should have wrote some of this down. Um, say like a lot of stuff that we view as, um, like volunteer work. That's public service. Yeah. Um, you you know, you're helping. Yeah. Like, Habitat for Humanity, like, why don't you build houses one summer? Uh, you know, why don't you help it? I don't know, like the pound. Um, all those kind of all those kind of things we view as like volunteer work are usually are usually services to the public. Um, every weekend here during the summer there are different groups that that pick up trash on the yeah. side of the road that's what they do and it's usually working people people that work all week uh work all week take care of their kids go to church you know building businesses making appointments for wherever they wherever they work you know they're working and they'll still come out on a saturday or a sunday and walk a stretch of road for 4 hours 
bag and trash. I mean, that's public, that's public service too. But how many, but how many people do that? Not many. Not many, not many people get outside that comfort bubble, man. That's, that involves, one, that involves work. <laughs> Two, that involves them meeting people that they don't know. And, you know, with, you know, we use social media to promote our companies and, and things of that nature, but there are some people in this world who do not have a life outside of, you know, that's their only social interaction is through the direct thing as I call it, yeah, um, you know, through their phone or their laptop or their iPad or I, whatever the hell everybody uses now. Yeah. Um, you know, they, that face, that's something I think that, that now that you bring that up, I think we're fortunate. We still get to have face-to-face interactions with different cultures and different people on a day-to-day basis, you know, and from a cultural aspect, you know, the more experience you get in that, the more empathy and the more you understand people as a whole, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and that's a huge, huge that's another huge issue. Uh, you know, I would like to take this time to welcome everybody that's listening to this podcast. Uh, this is now the Carolina Tactics Group ADHD Awareness Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all, we're all over the board. Well, like, all the, all the notes I had, like I've got, I got decent notes. Like y'all, y'all seen my notes, and I and I've and I'm pretty sure I've put them on Instagram too. Like I have pages and pages of shit. Like we literally went through, like all my bullet points, in like first ten minutes of this motherfucker. <laughs> That's how we do shit, bro. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, whatever. I mean, we're talking yeah. about good shit. I mean. No, this is this is uh, a lot of things that need to be heard that not a lot of people are saying, and you know. Oh yeah. Oh no, we're uh, man. I got um, we got plant. You know what my, and there'll be a couple people that listen to this that they'll they'll know what I'm referencing because they were the ones that kind of told me, and then I told uh, you know, I've got a group text with with Bobby and Kyle. And, um, but would you just try to guess what my like number one request for, um, like, like for talking points and topics, like my number one that I've, that I've gotten that they're like, you have to talk about this. And I'm, and I've had enough people ask to where, I will sit down with who I'm going to have on that day and write a full outline and we're going to stick to it and to make sure we hit more to hit all the points and not to skip around and get off topic. But, but just guess, like, just think of law enforcement, what we deal with all the time, the culture, uh, uh no, it's actually not racism. Good. No, it's not. It's not racism. Good. I'm um, tired of hearing about. It. No, I, I've um. People are still scared to come out with that as a whole, or to 
put it on a show or put it on a podcast. And I don't, and personally, I, um, now have people probably asked Bobby or Kyle, uh, maybe, I don't know, but I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't get approached with that because yeah, I have, I, cause I have interracial children and I date, uh, interracially and I have for a long time. Um, so that's just one thing that doesn't really get presented to me. It's like, oh, will you talk about racism in law enforcement? And I'm like, uh, I mean, I've been what? accused. I've been I've been accused of it because you know I hop out of the car and I'm a very Aryan white man. <laughs> but um, but people that actually know me, they're just like, no, it's not a thing. Like, Aaron loves the melanin. Like, stop. Like, just like, like, don't be stupid. Um. And that's what I think it is. I think it's stupid. Um, no, what is it? What's the topic? Um, so it, and we can talk about this a little bit, but I'm going to, dude, I'm going to do a full, we are going to do a full podcast. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to call it, if I'm going to break it down. But so it, it's usually worded very, uh, like it's vulgar. And this recommendation, this top recommendation, is coming mostly from women. What is it? And it has to do with, I'm going to say it crudely because this is how it's been getting presented to me, and I'll present it this way and in more you know, professional and serious ways when we do the podcast for this. But talking about, men in the and I honestly haven't even put a time frame on it let's just say like millennial and up men being little bitches <laughs> they're like you need they're like you need to, they're like you need to talk about this and this is and this is coming from women um in my life um that I've um that I've talked to, um, you know, personally, um, you know, like dated and gone on dates with, uh, women in my family, women that I've worked with, women that I currently work with. They're like, Aaron, you got to talk about this. Um, because there's so many dynamics to it of, you know, why are men acting like little bitches? It's like, well, you know, we had the, the Me Too movement um, where it's like, oh, we have to believe every woman 100%. And I'm like, tell any law enforcement officer that. Uh, and there's some evil, there's evil people, period, of both sexes and all races. I don't care what you say. Um there are some evil women out there. Um, and I've arrested plenty of them. <laughs> um, uh, there's just so many things that go into, Oh, why are men such bitches now? It's like, well, we had to deal with the me too thing. Uh, you know, you have to deal with the, the, uh, in America, the, cultural and religious influence 
and I even hit on that a little bit when I did when I did the podcast for for Mother's Day. Um, you know, because especially in the South, like we are in the Bible Belt, and traditional values uh, they stem they they stem from Christianity. They stem from the Bible. No matter how religious you are or claim that you aren't, you know what I mean. Um, so there's that aspect of it, the, the, the toxic masculinity, which I'm not really even sure what that is. Um, but we're going to talk about that in the sense of like what we deal with within the military and in the law enforcement. And I'm going to try to keep it, um, keep that perspective because that is what my perspective is. Um, you know, I'm not going to speak on something that, you know, I haven't really experienced or even slightly studied. Um, but yeah, just they're like, Aaron, you really need to talk about why all men are bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, and like I said, it is very broad and I'm going to have to, okay. I'm going to have to really sit down and break it down and see, uh, see what's going to be not necessarily the most presentable because I don't care what is the most presentable. I want the truth and what, you know, me and, uh, or myself and whoever else is on the podcast with me that day has experienced. Um, cause like I said, I'm not going to speak on something that I have not experienced. Um, cause I mean, I see it. And I've been, I, and I've been seeing it for a long time. I'm like, man, this dude, like you try to, you kind of oversimplify it sometimes. And, um, I mean, we're all guilty of oversimplifying or making stuff too complex. Um, even in a work capacity, we're just like, man, this dude's just being a bitch. Like that's, that sounds crude and kind of small minded, but, uh, Sometimes it be like that, I, you know. It really um, do. It really do. Yeah. <laughs> like that's. Um, I mean, there's some people that might not like the how that's presented or the optics of it, uh, man. But I mean, we're gonna we're gonna fucking break it down, man. We're gonna that break it big. down. We're gonna break it down in uh, you know the lack of father figures in the home, and that and that goes that goes for every race. Um, right. You know, I, I mean, you know no, what? I mean, no, you know, and I already said this, like no offense to, you know, moms and the purpose of, of moms and the, the role of a mother. And there's a lot of mothers that have to attempt to fill both roles, which is a motherfucker. Um, like yeah, it's bro. hard. Yeah. It's hard. Hey. Like I've seen it. I've experienced it. I see it on a daily basis in every walk of life within my little corner of the South of South Carolina. My mom did it. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that she, she would not accept anything less than masculinity out of me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like she, if you told, just, like, I mean, she would tell you you're, you are being, she told me multiple times when I was young, you're being yeah. a sissy right now. <laughs> why do you run like i used to run a certain way bro she was like you run like a girl you need to stop doing that 
I was like, what? <laughs> Damn, mom. I stopped running that way. Yeah. I stopped running that way. Now I run like a man. Hey, man. son, you run <laughs> like a bitch. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. For real. Holy shit. That's great. True story. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey. Look, That's amazing. Women, <laughs> women can raise men. It just takes a certain type of woman to do it. They can. They can. Um, you know, I think the, the term when you equate why, you know, when you say why are men being bitches, well, then they're not a man, right? Because yeah, it has nothing to do with the sensitivity side of things. It has nothing to do with being emotional. Being a bitch, bro, that's, that, that's another level. That's, I'm not equating it. Yes, bitch is a derogatory term for a female or whatever. I'm not equating that way. I'm using it as a street term. You're being a bitch right now. That means, bro. Yeah. There, you you are not you are acting out of character as a man, right? Right. Right. There are certain traits that men have. There are certain traits that women have. They are not made to intermix. Mm-hmm. That might piss some people off. That's how it is, bro. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jealousy is being one of them. Jealousy is is one of my biggest pet peeves. Jealousy is a feminine trait. Right. That that is not something men are supposed to have. Mm-hmm. And and you see that so much. And I don't I don't know what breeds it, right? Yeah. Because man, I I think it's it's a mindset thing. I know you've got the same mindset. Like I see somebody that's better than me at something, and I'm like, I don't envy them, right? I I'm just like, I'm gonna be better than them. Like now yeah. I have something more to work towards. Yeah. Right? I, now I yeah. have a new goal. Yeah. And that's, uh, I don't know, man. That's my little bit on that. I'm not going to speak any more on it because I really hope that you invite me for that podcast. Yeah. I got a lot to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, when I, when I floated, when I floated that idea to, uh, to Bobby and Kyle, I mean, they were both like, oh, hell yeah. And then, uh, um, and then Bobby was like, yo, he was like, we need to have John back on for that. And John, <laughs> John was the one that's, he's a firefighter now. They were in the army together. He's a cancer survivor. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a dad. He's a husband. Uh, you know, all the, all the man boxes, just fucking check them. Right. Um, and that was the first thing Bobby, he was like, dude, we got to have John back for that. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how we want to do it. <clears throat> but I mean, there's so many angles I can go with it, but I, I know, I know for sure. Cause I don't want to, like I said, I want to, I want to stay in my lane in the context of first response and, and in the military speaking on you know why are men bitches and why men shouldn't be bitches nowadays um but i mean with both of those with serving on a federal level or serving on a you know state and county level you know in a role of service um we're going to try to keep it pertained to our field and then what we see in our field and our profession, um, because there are 
plenty of other um, podcasts, Instagram pages, organizations that address this. They address the topic on a, you know, on a broad level, like man, manliness and manhood. Um, where us, we're going to do it in the context of our job and then what we see on the street. Um, we see a lot of it. Yeah. So, but I mean, with that, we see all the walks of life. So it's kind of broad by default. Um, but I know. So when I first got into podcasting, that's when I was personally like kind of in a low point. Um, I wouldn't say depressed. It's just I was, you know, anybody is going to get tired after consecutive blows to the dick. Okay. Um, and I didn't start listening to podcast. I, I literally started listening to podcasts after uh, after I'd left uh, my first law enforcement job, and I was going into security because I had a lot more time to just think about shit, listen to shit. Um, that's just where I was, right? So another one of the podcasts that I listen to a lot. And I think I mentioned uh, the Jocko podcast, which is like pretty much a staple for any, I don't know. What what do we want to call ourselves for that? It's just. Any, just any, anybody with the like mind that I've listened to Jocko for years now. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Read, read his books and you know, he's, yeah. he's got a lot to say. Um, yeah. So it's so much. Yeah, I mean, some not, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's still good to consume. So he was one of the big ones I listened to, and then the, another one um, that speaks directly to just like being a man and uh, and a provider um, is the order of man. Um, have you listened to that one? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Okay. Order a man, uh, guy's name's Ryan Mickler. He was, I would say he's a pretty average dude. I mean, he was in, he was in the military um, for a little bit and then he like deployed and then he got like into the financial space and then he had some personal struggles and then made up, made a podcast and a movement called Order a Man. And he just talks about, you know, being a man on, every level, no matter the profession where with ours, we're going to keep it focused on being a man within, within our realm. You know what I mean? Um, he talks about it just in life, no matter what you do in life. Um, and I mean, that's a good, a good source for for people um because you know i mean there might be some young men out there and i mean we're i mean we're we're focusing on all the guys right now like sorry ladies but i is what i is okay um 
So I don't know. It's going to be, it'll be, it'll be interesting because I mean, we deal, we deal with everybody all walks of life and we deal with everybody's worst day. Yeah, it's very true. Nobody has a good day and they're like, you know what? I'm going to call the fucking cops right now because I'm having a great day. That's not a thing. No. Now, they might walk up to you somewhere, you know, kind of a walk up or whatever. If you're, you know, you're at the Circle K, you're walking around Walmart, you know, say you might be parked somewhere and somebody might ride up to you and they might, you know, they might do it that way. But in our, our specific work capacity, if you call me, and you need me, aka dial nine one one. It's a bad day. Like, yeah. period. It doesn't matter what color you are, or what neighborhood you live in, or, or uh, you know, oh, I'm one of those people that live out at the lake, or I'm one of those people that has a couple horses. Uh, it doesn't fucking matter. If you call nine one one, you're having a bad day. And that's going to be my interaction is somebody that's having a bad day. <laughs> Period. And, and in, Period. In that instance, you know, unfortunately, that's when you see people see themselves. Um, you know, they, yeah. they're not feeling good. They're not having a good day. They don't have that side up to mm-hmm. where they're, you know, hey, officer, how you doing? That kind of thing. It's usually they either meet you madder than hell and they're going to take it out on you or they're, yeah. they're just going to be, you know, yeah. so hard to understand because they're all over the place and angry. Yeah. And you really see who that person is in that moment, and yeah. and that's when you can tell. And and that's, that's uh, you know one of the biggest things about being a cop is, is how to judge character, how to you know understand people, yeah, and do that within a short period of time when you meet them, so you know yeah. what you're dealing with. So <clears throat> it, you develop this ability to do so, and you. You unknowingly do it to everybody you meet, whether it's mm-hmm. at work, whether it's at the gym, whether it's in a restaurant, and you start <laughs> you start trying to decipher who this person is and break them down, and and yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. But you know, you can ask my wife, you can ask you know, you know, <clears throat> other friends outside of law enforcement. I, I'll meet somebody, and then whenever we leave, I'm like, nope that dude's not true or that, you know, that individual is not a real person. Yeah. You know, that's not who yeah. they really are. You know, that kind of thing. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. The, the abilities you develop. Yeah. You know, throughout that. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. That, that kind of reminds me of, um, and I'd never, I'd never heard this before, but I, uh, Went on a couple dates um, with somebody when I moved to my current job, and I I moved departments and I moved towns. And I mean, part of this might have been like for her respect for law enforcement. Um, but, you know, when you're dating or going on dates or meeting someone, and you're like trying to figure them out. Um. And I w- there was just certain things we would talk about. And because of, I mean, I don't want to say like we have some damn crystal ball where we can like read everybody's minds or whatever, but there was just a lot of 
predictable things that I pointed out about uh, places we would go out to or discussions we would have. And she was like, she was like, you know what? I'm kind of freaked out because you can, because of your job, you can kind of read me too good. I was like, what? Yeah, that's, that's common, man. Um, some people don't want you to see them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they want you to see what they present. Yeah. And it makes a lot of people uncomfortable when you see yeah. they do that shit. Um, you know, me, I, I like being able to see the real, real person inside, yeah. you know, behind the bullshit. Well, cause but, it, well, and you and me and people like us can take it. Yeah. And there's either not enough of us or not enough people that respect it. Right. They, they want to stay in that comfort bubble again. They were back to the comfort. Yeah. You know, you push them outside their comfort zone where you're seeing them for who they are, not what they want you to see. Then, yeah. Oh, can't do that. Just the fake, the fake funk, faking the funk. Yeah, man. Yeah, it can go too far. Well, I think our uh, I think our ADD's probably gone too far too tonight. So yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> I, I appreciate you having me back on, man. Uh, you know, yeah, always, dude, no but... problem, no problem. Well, I'll um. And I talked about this on the last one, and I don't. We're gonna figure out. Um, I mean, I know you and me both have an idea. Uh, uh, that that episode where it was you, me, and Thomas was yeah. was uh, was like our biggest episode. Period. Like I've done three. This will be my fourth. This episode we're recording right now, I think, is our fourth since our sit down uh, in the Upstate, and I think. These three, the amount of listens I've gotten from these three do not equate to the one you, me, and Thomas had. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to... I didn't think we were that interesting, but... Yeah, I, so I, I'm not I guess sure... everybody um, likes to listen to, to a yeah. talk every now and again. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not, yeah, so I'm not sure if it was just the combination of Valkyrie and CTG or if it was, or if it just got in front of the right eyes on y'all side or, you know, um, a couple, a couple of the people that are a little bit more famous than us that, uh, that possibly shared it, that yeah. there's some of them that we know of that shared it. Um, and we're not gonna, we're literally not going to reveal who that is until he, he's coming on the podcast till so. he, till he's on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, if it's on, you know, whatever, whatever y'all are going to get with your feed or on mine, or if we're going to do like a joint thing, yeah, uh, we'll probably we'll probably have to link up on that. One. Yeah, and I don't even care who's it's on because we share each other's shit anyway, like constantly. So, whatever, we'll we'll, we'll all sit down eventually. Definitely, man. Um, you know, we're we're pushing uh, Valkyrie's podcast is going to be starting up soon. Um, you know, got some series ideas, so we'll definitely have have you on outside of obviously you can go to CCG, but just have Aaron on, not yeah. Aaron from CCG. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. We're yeah. gonna have some cool series coming out soon, so um, cool, good stuff. What's having, um? Having said that, yeah, uh, I'd like like to go ahead and plug uh, Valkyrie Shameless. real quick. We have some new Shameless. stuff going on. 
<laughs> I have no, no <laughs> So everybody go check out upstatevalkyrie.com. Um, all one word. We our store is now up and running. We have uh, hey. right now we yeah we have I think one shirt on there and some different decals things of that nature. But is the new is the new design up? There's one that y'all did. Y'all still have yes. the traditional Valkyrie wings, and it's with the axes, like the yes, yes, yes. yes. The double, the double battle axe. That uh, yes, that was Doc. Doc. Uh, Doc Uten made that one up. Yeah. He, um, he, you know, he's very creative. I'm like yeah. Me and Thomas, who still types <laughs> with one finger on the keyboard. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like just pecking <laughs> so, away. Yeah. Yeah. So Thomas. Uh, Thomas and I are not the computer type, but Doc Eaton is very good at that stuff. He's the brain yeah. of the operation. Yeah. So, well, he's kind um, of a, he's kind of a nerd anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 my nerd though. You don't talk talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man, he's great. So yeah, yeah. go check out upstatevalkyrie.com. Uh click the button that says swag store, get you whatever you want. We'll have more Sweet. uh t shirts and hats. We'll have all kind of stuff coming up. Yeah, uh, just be looking out, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, uh, whatever else we're on. For sure. Know, but there'll be stuff coming up. Uh, For sure. And like always, brother, it's, it's a pleasure being on here. I, uh, to those of you that, that decide to listen for this entirety, uh, appreciate you hanging in there and sticking with our ADD. Uh, we definitely didn't take our medicine today. So sorry, Mike. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, I work. I mean, we'll – shit. What did you work today? I worked today, so I'm all. I'm no, all, we're opposite. Yeah, we're. Yeah, opposite. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I work. I worked all day, and it got it got bananas the second half today. So I'm kind of. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, guys. So hope you enjoyed that. Hope the ADD didn't uh, kill you too much. But I mean, it was good points, and we weren't rambling about bullshit. Uh, make sure to like, share, review, and subscribe. Everything CTG and Valkyrie on all of our platforms. If you see one of our. Uh, you know, basically Instagram is kind of our biggest thing. If you see, if you see us on one thing, you're going to see the other also there. Um, our website is on Shopify. Um, what's y'all's little thing you're using? What's the company y'all are using? It's something crazy. Oh, uh, Zazzle. Zazzle. It sounds yeah, fancy. It sounds fancy. I don't know what it is. I just it, know that, that that you can buy stuff through our yeah. website. That, yeah. And it, it yeah. says Valkyrie on it. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, the pace we're going, I'll probably get kicked off. We'll probably get kicked off Shopify soon. So I'll probably have to hit y'all up on that. Um, okay. get, <laughs> get with Doc Eaton, man. He'll oh, good, up. bro. Yeah, he will. Little nerdy fucker. Um, <laughs> and then make sure to uh, give us feedback. I mean, everybody at Valkyrie, everybody at CTG, I mean, you can give us feedback on Instagram, uh, on Facebook. I know there's even uh, some of these podcasting apps where you can, you know, put in reviews and type up a little little paragraph of shit. Um, any topics you want us to hit on? Any guests? If you just want us to do CTG and Valkyrie together all day, I mean, if that's what gets the numbers, like I'm fine with it. Um, yeah. Different material, different locations. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, or we're gonna continue to reach out and interview and push local companies across South Carolina and, and mostly the South. I'm not saying we won't go. I, I don't want to limit myself to say like, Oh, we're never going to go to Michigan. No, we'll go to Michigan. If somebody's cool up there and we get big enough and it's a thing, like we'll do it. Um, so hope you enjoyed it. 
uh, Brewer. Till next time, brother. All right, brother. All right, man.